One of the things that I was most lucky to benefit from in my musical life was a relationship with the late, great Dr. Clark Terry, who is one of the founding fathers of jazz trumpet, a, a true legend. And he was associated with the University of New Hampshire, where I went to school. Towards the end of my tenure at school, I must have been 21 or 22, I found his phone number and I decided to call him up and I was scared to death. And I said, Mr. Clark, my name is Chris um, from, from UNH. He goes, which Chris, the chubby one or the skinny one? And I said, oh, it's, it's the chubby one. He goes, oh, great, how you doing? Did you fix your grades? I certainly didn't know he was keeping tabs on his students uh, well past the age of 80. He was keeping tabs on all of us. And he knew, you know, he distinguished between the two Chris's in the band at that time. So I asked, I said, if, if it's not too forward, um, I'd like to ask if maybe I could have a private lesson or come visit you. And he said, what are you doing tonight? So I hopped in my car and I drove down to Haworth, New Jersey, right across the bridge from, from New York City. And I picked up a bunch of steak and a lot of chicken and his choice beverage. And I rolled up with an arms full of food and I was greeted uh, in royal fashion. I sat down at the kitchen table and I started to talk with Clark. He started telling me stories, teaching me tunes with and without the trumpet. And for the rest of the night, I, I cooked food um, for Clark and his family, and that turned into uh, a hang probably 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I kept going down every weekend to hang out with Clark. He'd have jam sessions with people from New York and students in his living room. Um, so I kind of lived there for that summer. And then as a result of that friendship, Clark and his wife asked if I would work for Clark as a travel manager of sorts, as a valet. So I, of course, said yes, and for the next couple years on and off, whenever Clark had a gig anywhere out of town, it would just be me and him on the road, and I'd bring all the gear, um, the horns, all the medication. Clark was a diabetic, so I, I helped out with administering insulin shots and everything. And through my friendship with Clark, I... I met a large percentage of all my other heroes. You know, Clark would introduce me as sometimes his valet or his manager or his, if we were in trouble and we needed to back it up a little bit, he introduces me as his attorney or whatever I needed to be that day. His grandson, people would, I think, really respect that he would introduce me that way and, and always make sure I was respected as family, but got some funny looks when he introduced his white grandson. Clark passed in, in February of 2015. He was 95 years old. He really gave me a gift I can never repay. But he was always adamant that we pay it forward, that we teach. And that changed the course of my life and, and what I do with, with music. That was Chris Claxton, 
trumpet instructor at Portsmouth Music and Arts Center reminiscing about Clark Terry, one of his mentors. My name is Russ Grazier. I'd like to welcome you to Sound in Color, the PMAC podcast. Today, like Chris's mentor, we have one of my mentors on the show. Kenneth Radnofsky is a saxophone instructor at New England Conservatory in Boston and also at Boston University. I studied with Ken from age 16 through my bachelor's degree at Boston Conservatory, and it was wonderful to have Ken come up and visit Portsmouth Music and Arts Center. Uh, he did a recent concert, and in this podcast we discussed some of the music that he played on that concert, as well as his advice for a young person who's considering a career in music. So we hope you enjoy this conversation. So, Ken, welcome to PMAC again. This is your second time back here. Um, we're really excited to have you playing this evening in Haas Hall. Tell us a little bit about the music that you're bringing to play on this program. The first piece is a piece by Haitor Villa-Lobos that pays tribute to Bach. His first piece called Bacchianus Brasileiros, Brazilian Bach. And we're playing uh, the middle movement, which has just the most beautiful tune. And uh, it reminds me of, what's it all about, Alfie? But ahead of his time. Yeah. And it's just, just a great tune uh, played with the string quartet from the Portsmouth Symphony. And um, I'm really glad uh, to be performing with them. Yeah, it's wonderful. The, uh, uh, the, the next part of the program is an all-Russian program. The first piece is by Yakov Yakulov. Uh, who is from Moscow and uh, later Israel, has been living in Boston for about 30 years. Just a fantastic uh, contemporary composer who plays the most, the most fabulous kind of piano improvs you can ever imagine. So uh, this is sort of contemporary improv on Bernstein and Mahler. The other pieces that we're playing, one piece called Bersu's Hebraic, uh, originally written by Prokofiev during the first year he was in the United States for the Russian soprano Nina Koshets, who was also a favorite of Rachmaninoff's. And the other piece that was written for Nina Koshets is the uh, six romantic songs of Rachmaninoff. So mm -hmm. both of those short pieces were written for Nina Koshetz, the singer, and I transcribed them for saxophone. The other two major works on the program are the cello sonata of Rachmaninoff, which I believe he wrote in uh, 1903, and the flute sonata of Prokofiev, uh, written at the darkest time of, of World War II, and it's just, it's just a remarkable piece written during difficult times, uh, which composers were able to do as they created their own worlds. And uh, so uh, as a saxophone player, I want to try to play the best music. I don't care if it was originally written for saxophone mm -hmm. or not. Yep. Um, I just want to play good music. And Yakov's piece is a great piece, but... So are the masterworks of Prokofiev and Rachmaninoff. It sounds like the program itself um, has an underlying theme of uh, the hard times that these composers faced based on their situations 
with what was happening in their countries and them leaving, uh, in the case of Prokofiev, him leaving Russia. Um, and I'm wondering if it has any parallels in your mind to what we're seeing today in the world with a lot of exodus happening in different places. Am I reading far too deeply into your programming? Or Well, I don't know if I'm capable of uh, thinking as deeply as you do. Um, <laughs> but uh, times, are, uh, times have always been tough. Uh, and artists, uh, artists suffer uh, the same way as the rest of the public does. And uh, I guess for artists, uh, music is a great escape. And so they, they have an opportunity to create beauty even when times are difficult. Mm -hmm. Now, we've known each other for a long time. I think I was 14 when we met, and I was one yeah. of your saxophone students. Right, yeah. and I taught you when I was 11, as, yeah. We, uh, yeah. <laughs> as we've exactly. discussed. Yeah. And um, one of the things I've been fascinated um, about your career is um, the amount of effort you put into commissioning composers and playing new works for the saxophone, um, but also a lot of interest in transcribing pieces, um, maybe sometimes pieces that people wouldn't automatically assume would be transcribed for the saxophone, particularly vocal music. And you have two vocal pieces on the concert tonight that you've transcribed for saxophone. I remember you transcribing uh, Charles Ives' pieces vocal pieces for saxophone. Sure. Um, is there an underlying interest that you have in vocal music that's connected to your playing of the saxophone, or how, how does this come about that you're looking oh, at well, vocal Well, I mean, works? saxophone is a singing instrument, as you know. And the other interesting thing about, uh, not to ignore your question, but just to add something to it, um, the flute sonata of Prokofiev that's played tonight was transcribed by Prokofiev for violin for nice. David Oistra. Mm -hmm. And then the Five Melodies Without Words, originally written for Nina Koshetz, was also transcribed for violin. So, so even these composers made transcriptions of their own music for other instruments. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, I think voice is a logical a logical instrument, if you will, to transcribe for saxophone. I think it works out well. A lot of people play Rachmaninoff vocalise. Yes. On every instrument. Yep. Just because, for the reason we described earlier, uh, we just want to play good music. Yeah, and Oh, and, and uh, the Vila Lobos was transcribed by Vila Lobos first from a celli to, uh, to voice and celli. Mm -hmm. So, um, and now it exists for saxophone and string quartet. Which is a fantastic arrangement. I was listening to it in rehearsal. Sounds absolutely beautiful. Glad you Excited are. to hear it tonight in the concert. Turning to your role as a teacher of young saxophone students, um, is there any advice that you would give in this day and age to a young person who's thinking about uh, pursuing music as a career or working, uh, uh, attending college as a saxophonist? Are there, are there things that you tell young saxophonists who are getting ready to go to college? Oh, I, um, I, I think that, uh, that we all have our dreams, and uh, if, you, if you think you want to do it, you should do it. You should try. And I, I remember when I, was, uh, when I was 18, and I wasn't very good, just to give you an idea, I repeated beginner band for three years, <laughs> um, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Couldn't remember F sharp. When I went to college, 
I didn't know where to go. I grew up in Texas, and the question was, do I go to Sam Houston State University or University of Houston? And my mother asked my teacher, and he said, it doesn't really matter because he's no great shakes anyway. Oh, man. And she didn't tell me that, and uh -huh. I ended up studying uh, with that guy in college, and we developed a very good relationship, and, uh, and now he's very proud of me. Excellent. And he... He, he said uh, when we spoke some years ago that he always knew there was something inside me that didn't want to give up. And so uh, my advice would be don't give up. If you want to try it, try it. And why did my mother let me go there to study? Because she thought it was better if I tried to do something even if I wasn't good enough. And I, I would know that I pursued my dream. So that's important for everyone. Yeah, that's great to have that support from your family. As you know, yeah, your definitely. family, your 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 family's the greatest. Yeah, um, I'm thinking about that Bacchianus Brasileiros. I don't think that one was transcribed for voice, but whatever. <laughs> uh, it's a good story. Um, how have things changed for you as a saxophone teacher or a saxophone professor? over the past, I won't say how many years, but I know that um, in conversations you've talked about how your approach to teaching has evolved. I, I suppose uh, that what I do better now than what I did back then, uh, I, I, as I've told you, you should get a rebate um, <laughs> for, uh, for my lack of information I, I do not believe uh, that. 30 years ago. Um, but I, I think I listen to students uh, better. I listen to uh, how they play, but I also to, I listen to how they feel. Mm -hmm. And I do try to listen to their dreams, and I try to help them fulfill their dreams rather than uh, making them all fit into a mold. The last thing we want is to have little copies of ourselves uh, because there's there you can't make good copies. Uh, you can let each person become the person they're going to be the successful. That's such a wonderful sentiment. Yeah. I really, I like that a lot. Well, that's, I don't think I'm <laughs> the first one to say it. Probably not. Um, but anyway, that's, that's what I think or hope that I do better Excellent. than I used to. But I, I was very enthusiastic uh, uh, when I was young, and I'm still enthusiastic now. And... Uh, this, this begins my uh, 40th year uh, teaching at New England Conservatory, and I'm telling you, it feels like yesterday yeah. that, uh, that I started out as a student. And first person I saw jump up those steps uh, is much younger than I am now, and he just died last year, Gunther Schuler. Yep. And uh, he was a great model, and yep. uh, he became a good friend. And just a, a remarkable uh, personality uh, that helped uh, shape my musical thoughts. Is New England Conservatory something that you feel as a community with the other teachers that you feel like a strong part of? I know here at PMAC, one of the things we really strive to do is create an environment that encourages collaboration and artists working together. It's not just only about teaching classes and working with the students, but also creating opportunities for the professional musicians who teach here to work with each other. Do you, um, you know, is that something that you feel is strong within the New England Conservatory culture? Yes. 
Um, I, I, feel, I, I feel very close to my, uh, uh, my colleagues, and we do perform together, and um, um, I, I can think of several uh, friends who I've collaborated with over the years, and, um, and, and we all get along well. I, I think that, uh, as you mentioned, uh, at, at PMAC, as I observe it, everybody's friends mm -hmm. uh, with everybody. And, and that's your gift uh, to the community, is that you've created this community here. Uh, you're the, the uh, a Chamber of Commerce should love you. Um, <laughs> I don't know uh, if they've picked up on it, but thank you. <laughs> well, I, it's a great place. So uh, we know that PMAC's a great place, and I, uh, I hope that others uh, do, and I trust that they will. Well, thank you for coming to spend some time with us and uh, for playing for us tonight. We're really excited about the concert. Thank you for having me, Russ. Thank you for listening to Sound and Color, the PMAC podcast, produced by Pip Clues with executive producer Jennifer Minacucci. Today you heard the music of Chris Claxton and the PMAC faculty in the opening, Weston Blues by Louis Armstrong, and then later on we played Bernstein Anniversary by Yakov Yakulov, one of the composers that was featured on the Kenneth Radnovsky concert, and of course that recording is of Kenneth Radnovsky playing the Bernstein Anniversary. Sound and Color is a production of the Portsmouth Music and Arts Center, a nonprofit community music and visual arts school located in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, supported by community members just like you. We hope you'll subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. Help us get up on the ratings. I'm your host, Russ Grazier, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. <laughs>